need to have secretary be sure to post the scriptures when you're able to i want to go over some quick announcements real quick so um hold on so as you know um the calendar for the rest of the month is available inside the scribal prophets group well not the scribal prophets group but the scribal conservatory bible study group so if you want to know our dates and our schedule please look at this calendar. We're going to also put the calendar up for December at the end of this week. This is because we do not have all of our services regularly. We have a lot of dates that are going to be um, canceled where we're not meeting because of the holidays and because of the travel that goes on among our ministers. So we're not a traditional ministry. And because of that, and all I mean by that is we don't run services like everybody's used to. The, you know, the protocols of having service, no matter what the circumstances, you know, we do have special times where we give all of our time to our family. So I want to let you know that. So I need you to get your pencil and your paper real quick, because we have a meeting on December 4th immediately after service. This is a very important meeting. So if you can make it, and if you consider yourself a part of the conservatory, it is open to you. This is for members of the conservatory. Even those who are considering being a part, you can come, but it's definitely for members of the conservatory. So if you are a teacher, if you are leading in any way, I'm also going to ask you to um, hang out with us for a few minutes afterwards. And you guys know how I am. Anything we discuss among leadership is always private and it's only for our conversation among our, our, um, each other. So we will have a few minutes after that meeting to have that part of the conversation. So we'll thank everybody for, for coming, then we'll move into that next part. So December 4th, and we are generally done with service around 1 o'clock, 1.10, 1.15, something like that. So we'll be meeting around that time. If you are um, have invested any amount of time please in, in the conservatory, please come. It's going to bless you. It's not a, a scary meeting. It's going to be a blessing, but I need to update you on some things. So again, we're going to be talking about this morning the um, two indisputable cornerstones of the prophetic. This is foundation number five as it relates to redefining Ephesians 411 ministry in the 21st century. If you want to know what's meant by that, please listen to the past meetings. Again, I want to remind you of something that's very dear to my heart as we go through this, because people think we're healing our understanding of the prophetic and we're healing our understanding of the apostolic. That's how these teachings should be viewed. I want you to know this is not a rant about everything everybody is doing wrong um, at all. It's literally, it's not about proving that we learned something wrong, although we know that we're always correcting our learning, right? We're always refining things that we know. We're always getting to this place where, oh, I realize I'm an ever learner. I am always learning something different. I'm always changing what I learned. So what I believed um, 20 years ago, I don't believe today. What I believe last year, God has shifted some of that. How can I say that? Because we grow. 
You know, it's the same principle in the natural. When I was a child, I thought like a child. So the more maturity we obtain, the more understanding we get, and then we shift. So this is not about proving that we learned something wrong. It's not about dishonoring what we were taught. It's not about pointing out leaders who teach error in doctrine. Although you know in the conservatory, we do expose the circus so that we cannot become the circus. And when I say circus, I'm talking about circus-like activity, circus-like behaviors that glorify people, that reveal people stuff, that show us um, who we really are, that doesn't represent Christ because at the bottom of everything is our desire to know Christ and to make him known. If you know anything about the conservatory, that's where we're at with that. We are in a new day of the apostolic and the prophetic. This isn't a deep prophetic word. Everybody in the church knows that the church is in, has been in and will continue to be in transition for some time. The model that we have understood to be stable in ministry has shifted. Whether we like it or not, agree with it or not, God is adjusting us to meet people where they are. And I know the conservatory is catching people that are in transition from the traditional model to whatever they, they are um, understanding their walk with the Lord to be in community. And we're okay with not fussing at people because of the transitions they are making, but helping them figure out and navigate that transition. So the conservatory has been that place for many people, and now it has become their home. We're preparing ourselves for what is before us in, in the kingdom, what is before us in the world system. We're preparing ourselves for um, um, what we need to do in our own lives to position ourselves. And we're most of all positioning our heart and our minds to discern the divine, apostolic, and prophetic nature of Christ. That's what we're doing. There's been so much damage done to the prophetic due to um, immaturity and understanding the gifts, selfish ambition, narcissism, that we're losing a whole generation because people can't trust what they see and hear. And every day we're seeing increasing mixture between spirituality that is not of Jesus with spirituality that is Jesus and is becoming very difficult for the people of God to know the difference. And I believe that that's because people simply are not reading their word. They're studying men, but they're not studying Jesus. And so the thing that I really push in the conservatory is learn Jesus, the logos and the rhema, because he is both. When you read the Bible, you're reading him. You know, when people say, I don't believe in authority of the word, what are you saying? You don't believe in Jesus because he is the word made flesh. So we have to look at how we're viewing some of the things we're saying before people who don't know him, you know, and what we're doing. So we're redefining Ephesians 4.11 with eternal intention. And what I learned from conservators over the last week is that these teachings are helping us see, listen that the prophetic and the apostolic is for everyone. It's not for some elite group. It's not for just the bishops, just the apostles. Just It's not for people with just titles. Everyone 
who is born of Jesus have divine and equal access to the apostolic and the prophetic realms. So we're restoring our understanding, we're purging our mind, and we're cleansing our spirit from limited, distorted understandings and from putting ourselves at the center of the, um, of the move of God instead of putting Jesus at the center. Listen, we elevate Christ over everything, but especially Christ over man, because people worship has been um, the devastation of us in this hour of the church. We're following things and we need to be able to have the intel that allows us to discern for ourselves and within community, what is the perfect will of God. And so that's why we do what we do and why we're here. I always have to say this before I teach because people, again, they love to try to force and tell you what you're teaching and why you're teaching it. But we're learning to make Christ a true priority. Mm -hmm. We're digging out selfish motives and mandates first in us. We're creating a foundation on which to build a better understanding of Ephesians 4.11 callings. We're seeing the prophetic from a simple perspective within ourselves before we look at its activation for external ministry, because the prophetic has first preeminence in us, not outside of us. Magic is focused on the outside, you know, but the true prophetic is an inward and inward release. And um, you know that this teaching series is a part of what we call the Sealed School of Ministry within the, the Scrabble Conservatory Arts and Worship Center. And that is based on Ephesians 1 and 13, that we are the sealed. The Bible says that we are sealed in Holy Spirit. And oh my goodness, what have we learned? So I want you to review the four foundational teachings before this one. If we ignore the foundation, we will distort the intention of every single teaching that we're bringing forth from this point forward. You need foundations. Listen, you need context. I want you to know I'm not saying that anyone else's teaching on Ephesians 4.11 is not correct. I am saying that we need to add some of this definition and some of this truth to those discussions. That is what this is about. If you ask the average pers person, what is the apostolic? They cannot give you a definition that is one line. If you ask a person, what is the prophetic? You cannot, most people cannot explain it with one line. They're gonna begin to heat and haul and knock and hit and bounce and rock. And we don't wanna do that. We wanna be able to give people um, a, a definition. If I ask you, what is a hamburger? My God, you can tell me what that is. It's a piece of ground beef that's fried. And you can just go and you lay a tomato on it and lettuce and you add ketchup, mayonnaise, or mustard. It comes on a bun or a soft piece of bread. You can even use brioche. I mean, we know all of this stuff and we can be done in 15 seconds or less. But we can't give people a definition of things that men have put all of their hands on. So how amazing is it to look at Christ and, and look at his life and study what he's doing and put the pieces together and see how simple he defines the prophetic without 
people's fingerprints and handprints and selfish motives and ambitions being all on it. So we're talking about the prophetic today, and we're going to talk about the most critical part of this whole discussion, the two cornerstones of the prophetic. This is not um, just a conversation about, oh my goodness, how I can operate in the prophetic. How I, I believe one of our main problems with the prophetic is that we thought or we've believed or we've immersed ourselves mm -hmm. in how to use God instead of how to become with God and what we've given him. We've used him just like people use people. We've used him and we've, we've treated the prophetic like magic. And when I teach you next Sunday, our whole conversation is going to be recognizing magicians versus recognizing ministers. And that doesn't mean people are witches and warlocks. It just means that the administration and the understanding of the prophetic is outside of themselves. They see it as a force not as a person. They don't see Holy Spirit as the person of the Lord with us. So for this teaching to be in fact impactful, I want you to reflect on these things. First, God is love. God is Ahava. His apostolic spirit is guided by Ahava. We understand that that is just another word for love in covenant. Love in covenant. You can go look up A-H-A-V-A H anywhere on YouTube, you're going to get some interesting videos, but there's some really short ones about two or three minutes that kind of give us what this Hebrew word means and shows us that this is the foundational word where we get our Greek word um, agape, where we get um, some of our other terminologies for love, the other three meanings of that word, which I'm not going to remember, not going to repeat here. But I want you to know that this is not a new word, is not a new understanding, but it is an understanding that needs to come forth. And we have excellent teachings on Ahava, and we will be reincorporating that and reteaching it. But his covenant love is his purpose for everything. That is 1 John 4, 16, if you need a scripture. I want you to know that everything God does is for Ahava, love and covenant and that God is apostolic. He is the apostolic. Apostolic, the apostolic isn't with God. God himself is the apostolic. So those are things we've already talked about that you really need to hold dear as we move through this. Christ is preeminent. What does this mean? This means that Christ is first in everything in the earth and in heaven. He's first in importance, in honor, in exaltation, he is the head. He's the beginning of our newness. Colossians 1, 15 through 19 explains what preeminence is. I could read it to you, but again, our purpose is to talk about the two cornerstones, indisputable corn cornerstones of the prophetic. So I won't go into those teachings, but to understand preeminence or the preeminence of Christ Colossians 1, 15 through 19, the whole book of Colossians, but those scriptures in particular give you an understanding. So if some of you want to copy that scripture and the words and put it in the chat, I would be more than happy 
to see that floating around because I think it's very important that we see those words. Scripture, the reading of the word is everything to us. We must believe that Christ's desire is first for koinonia. What is koinonia? Unity, oneness. John 17, 21. What does it say? That passage of scripture, you remember those are some of the last words we hear Christ give his apostles. So um, I want you to know that when you look at this particular um, passage and we talk about, oh my goodness, you know, this is who God is and this is what he has come to do. And we want to understand that koinonia is what he came to do then his prayer says in John 17, 21, I wish that they were one as we are one. That is the end game, the eternal intention, intention of every act of reconciliation. Everything God has been after from Genesis to Revelations is simple to make us one with him. Can we agree? Can we agree? on just those things. If we can't agree on those things, then I'm telling you, the, the two cornerstones won't make a bit of difference. All God wants is for us to be together. That's it. One mind, one heart, and one intention. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. If you have a ministry and it's really of God, your ministry is going to lead to, to koinonia. It's going to promote unity. The only ministries Christ gave was his ministry. I want you to hear that. The only ministry Christ gave, Jesus gave, Jesus Christ gave was his ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. There is no alternatives. There is no special callings. If it is a ministry, whether you work with women, scribes, artists, if whatever you are doing must be a birth from Christ's ministry. The scripture tells us plainly, for he has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Do you agree? Do you agree? We have, to, we have to understand that because people got some crazy ministries. Some people's whole ministry dedicated to the devil. We have to look at that. There's some stuff going on in the mind and in the theology that have placed them there. Jesus did not have a ministry dedicated to finding the devil. He knew where he was under his feet, right? <laughs> Anyway, our, our ministry is unto the kingdom. Unto the kingdom. So we have to be sure that that is understood or anything that we're teaching about foundations won't matter. The devil is not at our foundations. He is not. The foundation is clean. It's blood bought. It's by the spirit. It's born of an apostolic grace. Is rooted in love. It has nothing to do with the enemy. That's in the fallen world. That's in our earth realm. Can we agree? I know that's difficult to reconcile, 
I know that we love our buts and ands, our whatabouts and all of that, but I'm sorry, Jesus was focused on the kingdom. He was. He was, you know, the devil isn't his equal. He's not afraid. He's not running and hiding. He finished it. Oh, my goodness. We must believe, again, that he is Logos and Rhema, John 1 and 14 and John 1. We must believe that Jesus Christ, that he is greater than the adversary and all the little devils and imps and all the other stuff that tries to come for him. And look, and his people, because the scripture says, he who is in you is what? Greater than he who is in the world. So we know that all darkness is in the world. Darkness is not in the kingdom. It's only in the world system. It's not in the kingdom. Jesus was able to transcend and to live his life from the kingdom, from the seat of light, from the seat of light. Greater is he that is in you than he, lower H, in the world. Oh, I hope that means something to somebody. I hope that there's a revelation that comes from that because the mind of Christ, which is the apostolic force within us, that's where the mind of Christ is. That's where the mind of Christ is. The mind of Christ is what moves us into the apostolic. That's where his fullness is. That's where his grace and his mercy is. All of the kingdom flow into us by the spirit of the living God that helps us grow daily into the mind of Christ. Ephesians 4, one of the things it tells us profoundly is that those gifts, those, those five gifts are there to help us reach our full measure. I promise I'm building. I'm just giving us a foundation on which to stand. We need foundation in this hour because we need to know what we believe and be unshakable in what we believe or people will be able to lead us into anything. Right now, you got a whole bunch of people that still think they got to go petition for their own prayers and their own hope and their own help. And Jesus said, I'm on the inside of you and you gonna leave me and go do something else? Just think about some of that stuff. If we don't know what Christ has said, if we don't know what we have been given, people will build whole ministries around stuff on, that Christ Jesus never said. Whole ministries. Why in the world would I forsake that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, the very temple. And then go try to advocate and fight. There's no way I would do that. But if we don't understand certain things and we believe what somebody saw in a dream over what the word is said, the church is in trouble. I always tell you, study what I tell you. Prove it in your own self. Listen to the words of Christ. We love Paul. We believe the Bible is infallible, but we also know they were still like us 
coming into their understanding. And if we read things in context, we'll learn along the way that a lot of things that they said that seemed to support these other things, they changed their mind and came into better understanding as the story progresses. We have to deal with these issues if we ever hope to grow into full measure, because what is full measure? My promise that I can be image and likeness. My promise that I can be one. Our whole goal in the earth is to become like Jesus in his eternal kingdom. Never doubting God, always believing his promises, walking like God. How can I say walking like God? Because the scripture tells us that Jesus was the very image of the father. That's the scripture. Don't have my PowerPoint that you can see it, but that is a scripture. I'm going to make the PowerPoint available to you. Don't worry. Jesus was the very image of the father. When you find that scripture, keep reading because the scripture will tell you that he, that God was no longer responsible for judging, but all judgment had been given to Jesus. Listen, I think I need to read you that scripture because if I don't, we'll think that Teresa Harvard Johnson is making up stuff to fit her message today. I'm gonna hope that I can find that message, that scripture. Oh my goodness, I'm having more technical issues, but here we go. We're gonna trust God. We're gonna open that up, Father. Yeah, here we go. Come on. But when we're talking about, when we're talking about the preeminence of Jesus, when we're looking at him for who he is and what he has done, we're always going to be walking in this place where he's being unveiled to us. And I want us to understand, I'm not going to be able to get that scripture for you. I want us to be able to understand that our entire lives is about revealing the Christ in us, the hope of glory the hope of glory. Can you all agree with that? I want to see hands up. Hands up is chats or likes or emojis. I want you to see that this is what the Lord has for us. I'm going to try to pull that scripture up somewhere else because we we have to get to a place where, yes, here it is. Thank you. Um, Here it is. Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has come now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the Son also to have life in him. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of man. Oh my God. And there are other supporting scriptures to that, that show us profoundly that there was an exchange between God and Jesus in the earth. The kind of exchange where God's wrath and those things he did in the old covenant transferred, listen, to the authority of Jesus Christ. Do you all hear this? Is this making sense before I move forward? I want to hear 
and amen. Yes, I want to know that you understand. If you don't understand, I want you to go and get your Bibles. And I want you to find the scripture that just was posted above. And I want you to read it because right now we have a lot of people that are living in Judaism, not Christianity. They're living and worshiping under Judaism and not Christianity. They have a dual belief system. They do. It's not, our, it's not my responsibility to correct anybody or to guide anybody, but those who are walking in the conservatory and who are open to understanding Jesus as Lord, as preeminent. What in the world does this have to do with the prophetic? What in the world does this have to do with the two cornerstones? Well, the two cornerstones are built on these truths. The two cornerstones are built on these shoes. We, even though we have delegated authority in the earth, Jesus Christ, who showed us the way, who came into the earth, closed as the man, had delegated authority first. And then he was given, well, he was given full authority in the earth over us. Authority was first delegated to him. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith? Oh, my God. And the last thing I want to say with this foundation I'm laying right now is we must understand, we must believe, and we must accept that we are temples of Holy Spirit. We are temples. We are temples. We are temples of Holy Spirit. In other words, our very breath in our life, after we walk down that salvation road, after we've said, I do, Holy Spirit fills us. He dwells with us. And the number one role of the prophetic in us, let me go back to that definition real quick so we got it. I want us to make sure that we understand this definition of the prophetic. Before I go here, this definition that we gave is the prophetic is defined as the tangible and intangible presence of God through Holy Spirit in us and all of its releases without limitation. I want to say that again. What is the prophetic? The prophetic is Holy Spirit in us. It is the tangible and intangible presence of God in all its releases operating in us, for us, on behalf of us, without limitation. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Can you guys see that? I'm going to repeat it one more time. Holy Spirit, his work in us. We are the temples of Holy Spirit. What is the prophetic? The tangible and intangible presence of God within us, within us, operating in all of its releases without limitation. What does that mean? It means that Teresa and none of you on this line can do anything without God. 
We have no power without the spirit because the force of the spirit, which is God's spirit, is working on the inside of us and our gifts and our prayers and our talents and our teachings and our healing and the giving of the apostolic mind, the mind of Christ. All of it is Holy Spirit at work. It's not a separate this and a death. It's the power of God. Can't you see the power of God upon me? No, words do not demonstrate the power of God. Words alone. Your gifting is not enough. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The three, the water, the spirit and the blood. They're all in us. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. So if I have Holy Spirit, I have Jesus and God with me. We treat them like three people. Instead of understanding that it's a cornelia, a oneness relationship. My God, God is inside me. Jesus is inside me. The spirit is inside me. God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said, I go away, but the comforter will come. And he will, Jesus promised he'd never leave us. Holy Spirit is with us always. Oh my God. We have oneness inside us. And look at this, for the sole purpose of making us one. Eternal intention at work. Eternal intention, not temporary intention. This is our existence in eternity. In eternity, we are one without these bodies. In eternity, we are spirit just as God is spirit. In eternity, we are pure love as God is pure love. What we're doing now is bringing as many people along as we can so that when transition comes, they can enter in with us. What is the prophetic? Oh my goodness, it's God's spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, the comforter, the anointing, the breath of God, the wind of God, the counselor, the comforter, the fire of God. All of these elaborate words that we have is just Holy Spirit at work without limitation and it's unlimited releases. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And we think we're so special. What's special is the spirit. What's special is that you can yield to the spirit, right? That you can bend into him. That you are open to his release. That's what's special but we're only able to do what we do because God is with us. We are not anything without him. Oh my God. But we look around and people wear the prophetic like some mantle that is only available to them. And we flock like ravenous wolves, falling for it left and right. Look at the anointing on that life. You have people peacocking. 
touch not my anointed. As if they are better than you and we clap and we shout to that because it's the mind of God. We need to stop it. Look, they ain't no better than you. Right? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, one spirit, many manifestations, all are needed. Let's get back to what God has created, what Jesus has put in place, not what people have touched and marred and flies in the oil and all of that. We don't want that. I don't. I don't. I want to stop for a minute and just say, are you with me? Can we keep walking? We have a, we have to decide what we really want. And be honest, God knows anyway. It's kind of like writers when they tell you, well, I can only write what God said right. But you're thinking about stuff. It's all bad. But you think writing it down is making it more real. No. <laughs> God already knows because he reads the tablets of your heart. He knows our thoughts. Psalm 139 tells us that. He sees our thoughts. Whether you put it on paper or not, it's still visible to him. I just want to please God. Please him by being honest with what he already sees. Then repent, which means change. Then change your mind about what you think. Oh my goodness. We do some weird stuff, illogical stuff as people. Just don't make sense. All because of something somebody taught. Or something, and they believe their dream more than they believe the word of God. <laughs> oh, that's another teaching. That's another teaching. Let's keep going. John 17, 20 to 26. If somebody can just copy those passages and post them in the chat. The most tangible way that we experience God as believers is God in us. The most tangible way any of us have ever experienced him was the day we realized that he had called us into his kingdom. I remember the day I came to the Lord. I remember that day. That was the most important day of my life. And I hope you feel the same way. Thank you, Prophet L.A. Look, John 17, 20 through 26, it says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Wow, that's eternal intention. That is eternal intention. If anyone else tries to tell you that something else is eternal intention, they are lying. They don't understand the preeminence of God. There is no other eternal intention. 
The only eternal intention is reconciliation, which is this place of oneness. This is his final prayer. He didn't talk about anything here, but I want them in the kingdom as I am in the kingdom. I want them to exist as I exist. This we're still talking about the prophetic and the two cornerstones. It will make sense in just a minute. Oh my God, that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And listen, he already did that for us that are saved. Remember, this is after the fact. He was alive with the disciples here in flesh form. But after he was resurrected, after he sent Holy Spirit into the earth, he said, we're in the house. I hope you hear me. They were in the house that he went to prepare. We're not waiting on our house. We're in the house right now. Oh my goodness. We're in the house right now, but I go to prepare a place for you. He prepared it. He went already and he prepared the place. And we have become his temple so that we can achieve that oneness. I have given them the glory that you gave me and they have made that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete oneness, unity, koinonia. That's what that word unity is. Then the world will know. He did all of this for the world to know that you sent Jesus? You guys, our whole ministry is about knowing that Jesus came to save humanity. People are so confused. What's my ministry? Lord, help us all. Help us all, God. Help us. Because people have made ministry about their accomplishments. I can walk away mm. from scribal ministry right now and not blink twice about it because it's not my idol. And I won't feel any less of a daughter of God if I choose to do so. Because I understand one thing, and that is that that's just an area that God is using me in but I will always be a minister of the gospel and an advocate for him, whether I am in that ministry or on the street corner, witnessing the people about the testimony of Jesus Christ. But in this world system, we have exalted things and made other things greater than Jesus. All of this work Jesus did, miracles, signs and wonders, the little get-togethers he had with his apostles, the meetings, the dinners beside the river. I came down to this. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. Why is this important? Because this is the directive of the prophetic. What is the directive of the prophetic? To reveal Jesus. 
to let us know that he will never lead us, leave us or forsake us, to let us know what the will of God is concerning our maturation, to convict us of sin, because as I've taught you before, it's not that you're bad because sin happens, it's just that Jesus knows that if there's sin in your life, there can be no pure relationship with him. He can't have all of you. He can't love you to the full. You can't hear him the way he wants us to hear him if our, if our love is for our sin nature. Oh my goodness. How God sees sin is so different from how religion sees it. All God is saying is, Get all of this stuff that's blocking me out of your life so I can love you. So I can take you in the kingdom instead of taking you into my judgment. I wish above all things that no man should perish. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose life. The wages of sin is death. In the world system, you nasty, you're a witch, you're a warlock. God doesn't say that. Oh my God, can you guys, we've done a whole sermon on how God sees sin. If we can change the I'm bad to I need to be free, we'll have a whole different dialogue and conversation taking place. Because guess what? The prophetic comes to cleanse our foundations. I wanna challenge you today as we move into the cornerstones. I wanna challenge you today to recognize that anytime you see God move, why did the spirit pour out in Acts 2? Was it just to prophesy? Was it just to do miracle signs and wonders? Or was it to create koinonia? Was it to cleanse the foundations? Did, did Peter working a miracle to raise Dorcas from the dead after she fell out in the church and the people were screaming, oh my God, help. Was it just so you could see the power of God and stand in awe or was it to see how much God loved Dorcas that he would allow the apostles to enter that room and show the people how much he loved this one woman. Was it the issue of the woman at the well and her husbands and all of that? Or was it the fact that God moved his son to have a compassion on a hurting woman, a desperate woman? And in the a blink of a moment, he showed her through the prophetic how much he loved her. And she was so moved that she didn't need anything else but to run with what God said. That was before the Christians got their hand on her and told her she needed to denounce all the men she slept with and all the devil. And I, she would have never fulfilled her ministry had people interfered. She was healed as she went. I wanna challenge you to read the stories of healing in the Bible. Oh my God, Legion. 
in the midst of all those devils and demons. That man was still there. We don't know what he did. We don't know what happened. We don't know in the past what that important. What was important that he recognized Jesus in the midst of all that chaos. Jesus didn't point out how they got there. The prophetic was on him. And the apostolic mind to reconcile. And they worked together. Jesus addressed this darkness. And because of the man's desire to be free, he was. Oh, my God. The prophetic isn't about performance. It isn't that you can't cast them out. He even said to them, when they came back, the 70 came, the folks coming back saying, we went out and we cast devils in the other. Jesus didn't even address that. He said, just be glad your name written in heaven. Oh my God. We're folks to what's important. Oh my God, the prophetic is the unifier of the kingdom. The apostolic mind is what we need to keep us unified, but the prophetic is on the move to work the works of Jesus. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Oh my God. I know this seems like a lot, but we've been building, we've been building, we've been climbing. We're going to keep climbing. How can you teach Ephesians 4.11 giftings and you don't even know the definition of the stuff you're doing? Listen, and I don't, I mean, God knows. Trust me. I'm the poster child for doing stuff without understanding. Most of us are. But when you can have understanding, it can eliminate narcissism. It can block idolatry. It can stop you from playing the fool. It can kick you out of the circus. It can get rid of the ringleader in your heart, the acrobat, the clown. It can deal with the circus. Every day I'm coming more and more out of the circus than I ever been. I am done with people stuff. I am done with super apostles, just like the apostle Paul was. He said, who are these super apostles? telling me I need this and need that and I need this credential and who are they? Telling me how to serve my God. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Here we come. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. The prophetic is fueled by God's apostolic love for us, and it sits at the foundation of the cornerstone. We have to understand that. And that cornerstone has defined how the prophetic goes forth. Oh, my goodness. It's defined how the prophetic goes forth. First of all, we got to recognize that Jesus is the cornerstone. And we've agreed, we have, to, we have to understand that there's nothing else that can be built on the cornerstone. 
Look, I'm about to pull up this scripture. Give me a minute. Hold on. And I'm going to have somebody copy it for me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is, I love the Lord so much. John 5, 19, if you got it, I need you to post John 5. Post that John 16 down to um, John 16 all the way down to probably around verse 26. I want you to see this. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. So here you have Jesus performing and doing stuff on the Sabbath day. Just like we have people today. I hope you can still see me and hear me. Uh, we have people today that try to tell us what Jesus will and won't do and how he's doing things. Listen, I know Jesus has called the scribal conservatory to do ministry differently. I know this. I know that by God's grace, we have a very unique release of teaching and ministry within our group. Not just me, but all of us. That's God. And we have to only rest on knowing that that's him. So we have John 16, John 5, verse 16 through um, 26, if you have it. If you have it, I want you to post it. But I'm going to read it from, um, I'm not sure what version this is, but I'm going to read it. It says this. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. So the persecution Jesus was experiencing hit a high note when he started messing with their idols, their holy days. You know, you got some people that go off when you start talking about, when you start talking about how much you love pork and bacon. You know, so that they, look, they don't know about that scripture that, that tells you leave them alone just because you don't eat it. Don't force other people to, they forget about that. But so you're dealing with them kind of folks here, these Pharisees. They said, <laughs> this is what Jesus said. In his defense, Jesus defended himself. People are, you don't have to defend yourself. There are times when you need to. There are times when you need to because people are watching you. People are watching you. Oh, this is good. Thank you, Prophet LA. Y'all follow along. Then his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried, they, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father and making him equal with God. Listen, that's persecution. That's persecution. They're attacking his, his identity, his ministry, his calling. That then look, he's called to break all these traditions and tear all of this silliness down in the midst of our calling to reconciliation, in the midst of our calling to the ministry of Jesus. Whatever ministry you have, if it's the Lord, it will touch idols. You're not special because you touch them, it's innate to the ministry of Jesus that is on the inside of you. Oh my God. Verse 19, here we go. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by 
himself. Wow. That means the prophetic isn't the prophetic without Jesus. The apostolic is not the apostolic without the father. The prophetic is not prophetic without the father. Because the prophetic and the apostolic is God. God with us. God in us. God through us. God for us. God in us, the hope of glory. Are you guys following? There is no magic here. There's just the person, the real tangible presence of God living in you. But if we don't believe that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, we're in trouble. If we're still looking for a savior, we're in trouble. If we're still looking for the prophetic to move on the outside, we're still in trouble. If we think we got to find a prophet to help us, we're in trouble. If we think only the apostle down the street can help us, we're in trouble. Are you following? Idols are being made because we really don't know who's on the inside, alive and well. People will tell us anything and we'll believe it if we have not reconciled the truths of the foundations and cornerstones of the prophetic. Man, he can only do what he sees the father's doing. Oh my God, if I see sin, let me love you free. That's what the prophetic does. People don't do that, but the prophetic does. Can, can you see it? Can you see it? We have to change our perspective because the prophetic to God is a catalyst for change, not just a call to judgment. The prophetic is an opportunity for grace and mercy, not just condemnation and shame. The prophetic is the catalyst on the inside of people that moves them to change. But if 1 Corinthians 13 says, without the apostolic spirit of God, anything you do in the name of God is a claim symbol. Are you guys following? I hope you're putting some pieces together. I hope you're understanding what is happening in the realm of the spirit. Every time we misuse and abuse the prophetic, God speaks to us, but we take it and we point it in a place where our own personal hatred is. It's not God that's doing it because the word he gave the prophet or the prophetic person was accurate, but because they have no love, they turn that word into something that kills. And we wonder how I used to ask God all the time, God, if this is you, why is how they doing, doing so much damage? And the Lord would say to me, the word I gave them was not filtered through the right mind. They don't have the apostolic mind. They're not standing on the cornerstone. I spoke. 
filter is rooted in another mind. Oh my God. Speaking to those people, but they ain't right. He said, we shall know them by their ahava, their love covenant that I have made with them. When you go back and you begin to look at all the rebukes that took place under the reign of Jesus, different dispensation, because Ephesians 4.11 giftings are releases of Jesus, not releases of Moses. In the earth realm, Jesus has authority. All authority was given to Jesus and he was given the ability to judge in the earth. So that means that all of the prophetic offices, all of the callings of emissary, prophet, proclaimer, all of those Jesus. Nothing in the old covenant. Except we can see the work of the prophet. We can see the history of the prophet. We can learn from the order of the prophet. But the mindset of the prophet of the new covenant is different. The prophetic has a different place in the new covenant. Can you see it? Oh, my God. Oh my God, now when you hear somebody being rough with a prophetic word and, the, and unbelievers don't know the difference between God and they don't know the difference between people. Why are you picking at every devil that don't know Jesus? That's what they say. I'm just repeating what I hear people say. The world does not know our God and the scripture tells us plainly, plainly, the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. We can only start understand the things of the spirit when we come to know God. The only thing that the world can understand is love. Kindness. Forgiveness. Grace. Mercy. How do I know? Because that's the only way Teresa came through. Are you with me? The other thing that the world understands is judgment. They believe in karma and all of that. But when you walking around telling them that God loves them and then all you do, all we do is, is condemn, 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 double messages. Part of it's true, the rest is people. I hope you guys are following. Listen, the cornerstones are cornerstones for a reason. The cornerstones are the prophetic, aren't rules and regulations. They're mercy and there's grace. There's choice and there's decision. Oh my God. Oh my God. Babylon is as Babylon does. The kingdom, however, is God. 
let's go on. Well, the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Oh, let me go back. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Let's read it again. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father's doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he pleased to give. Moreover, the father judges no one. What? Listen but has entrusted all judgment to the son. Oh my God. The prophetic, the prophetic, the power of Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the wind of God, the works of God are, are not done by man but by the spirit of God himself. Are you guys, are you guys seeing this? Oh my God, you can see the other word. God, God does judge. Well, the father and the son are one. But the point of sharing this is it's under the order Jesus Christ. The rat, the rat, the rat. Because they got a rat. Because they still needs to find you out. Look at that smile she got in that picture. Must be a devil or a bad shot. She might have been in between chewing something. A hiccup could have been coming on and the camera caught it. This is the kind of stuff that we're facing today. The circus is full of it. Because they're not growing in the Lord. They're growing in people. Well, they're not growing because they're focused on people. Oh, my God. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. In other words, he placed a new mantle. He transferred his mantle to the son. I love it when I see people do ceremonies like that in their ministries. They pass the baton because that's what they're doing. I will no longer judge this house or this ministry. I'm stepping away. It's time for new leadership, especially when you have a global presence. People do it in their families all the time. People who have four or five children, there's always one that's going to stand out because it's by design. I don't care what the others are doing. 
You got two or three, there's going to be one that rises up in this place. It's after the pattern of the kingdom. That they all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. Look, we do some evil stuff to Christians. We judge them all the time. We judge each other. And the scripture telling us right now, if I am in Christ, love is covering me because every single day I'm doing my best to know him better. I'm every day I'm waking up wanting not to be who I was yesterday. Every day I'm trying to love in a greater way. That is all God's of us. To God, that is perfecting faith. That is you putting forth effort every day to be better. But we make no room. Oh my God. People always say, how you put up with that, Apostle uh, uh, uh Dr. K, how you deal with that? Perfecting love. You understand where people are. And there's grace for that, even when they hurt you. Because you know, next year this time, they will be thinking differently. That's the hope of glory. Some people think the hope of glory is to do greater magic. Oh my God. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in him. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. He became the son of man. So God wouldn't have to micromanage the kingdom anymore. Do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good. And we know that that happened because the scripture said that after the resurrection, they got up. And people recognize their loved ones walking the earth. By myself, I can do nothing. Whoa. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just. He could say his judgment was just because he was clean. The scripture tells us there was no sin in Jesus. Even though he took on our sin. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. The prophetic, the cornerstones are about pleasing God. The prophetic and the apostolic is about doing the will of the Father that leads to eternal intention. And listen, this is the kicker. The whole Bible tells us, um, Genesis 1, 26, 28. Somebody put that up there. Somebody else put up um, John 5. No, we just did that. We don't have to do that. Just put up Genesis 1, 26 to 28. I can just do that and give you a clear understanding of the cornerstones this morning. Two, two scriptures. Genesis 1, 26. I can talk about it while y'all do that. Why in the world are you going back to Genesis 1, 26? I'll tell you why after I read it. Then God said, let us, make mankind in our image. In other words, we're seeing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity. 
We're seeing them from their eternal position. Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness. Oh my God, make us in the likeness of spirit. Wow. And physical form, just not flesh. So that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Since the beginning of the fall, all God has been doing is moving by his spirit to have us come back to the place where we were in the beginning in paradise, where we were one. Image and likeness is the catalyst to eternal intention. And the whole point of being image and likeness there are two components. The first component is the mind of Christ. You have to have the apostolic mind of Christ to achieve this. We have to be an apostolic people. Go back and listen to that teaching. We have to grow into that apostolic stature because only in that place, see, we live in a world right now, we're so consumed with personal healing not understanding that we will spend the rest of our lives healing, becoming. But if we focus on mama and daddy and all the boyfriends and all the stuff that happens in the past, there's no end to the letting go. At some point, we have to be like Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was pleading with God to take all of his troubles away. But in a moment, Jesus said, not thy will, but my will be done. Wherever you are in your crisis right now, in your circumstances right now, you have to choose to say, I reckon it done. Whether I'm healed or not, in the way that I think I should be, I'm gonna keep moving forward. Because by doing so, I am doing what Jesus saw the Father do. I am moving in what Jesus heard the Father say. Because we're always looking at, I want to prophesy an accurate word. That's wonderful. How about living an accurate life? Because it begins there. Right? See, this is the thing about the prophetic. The prophetic is based in love, but is ruled in your life by your obedience. The cornerstone is all about likeness and image. The prophetic exists to help us achieve that end. What do I mean? <clears throat> Pastor Teresa, I heard the Lord say that he was going to heal you. I believe that. 
Why do I believe that? Because if I am healed, I can hear God. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Are you following? I want to make sure you're following me because we made the prophetic about utterance only. But if, but we love giving people correction, right? So we understand alignment and we understand the need for correction. But if all we do all day long is rebuke, 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 how can the prophetic have its perfect word without love? Grace, mercy, compassion, right? I, he can only hear what the father speaks. Well, we need to go back and read um, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So we can really hear what Jesus had to say because he didn't sound like us. He did not sound like us. And with every rebuke that Jesus gave, every rebuke, even the woes of the Pharisees, there was a hope in it. There was a love in it. It wasn't, look at you. Y'all think y'all better than me. Let me just rebuke you and walk on. That's people. Jesus gave those woes in correction and crying for them to see him. Read through that again in context. And he told them, you are, you are like my father, you're like your father, the devil. He called out who they were, but he didn't write them off. There's always hope there. Oh my God, image and likeness is at the core of the prophetic. If we stop seeing, if we understand that the prophetic is the spirit of the Lord, it'll change the way we pray. We pray in the Holy Ghost with a manifestation of prayer from God himself. How in the world can the prayer be perfect? Because it's coming from God. I always tell y'all, pray more in the spirit than you do in the natural. And keep praying until, not, not them crazy stuff people do where you trying to show out. I'm not talking about that. Pray until your body releases presence. Pray until your atmosphere change. Pray until you're weak. Pray until your heart is broken. Because it's God in you that's praying. Oh, my God. I bet people thought we were going to talk about what the prophetic do. Well, the only thing we need to know is the prophetic gets you right. That's the most important thing. Let's start there. We're going to make the prophetic simple. Now let's go all the way back up to this definition and we're done. I want you to see it one more time. I sure wish I could have showed you the um, 
slides. Somebody wrote the, the, the um, see now my PowerPoint is freezing. I hope you guys are still with me. I know I'm frozen for a minute, but I'm back. I think I'm back. I think I'm back. Um, well, we know that the definition that I gave earlier, I'm just going to go by mem memory, is that the prophetic is the tangible and intangible manifestation of the presence of God that moves in us, for us, and through us to perfect the will of God and an unlimited measure. It's the Lord's spirit, whatever you may call him, whatever you may, whatever comfort you need is God showing up as we need him too in the earth. It's him showing up and it's built on two cornerstones. And the last part of this is this, the prophetic will only operate through Christ's sight, not our sight. So we got to learn to see like Jesus. To do what Jesus did. To love like Jesus did. Because those are the things that fuel the Ephesians 4.11 calling. These are the things we're sealed in. We're not sealed in all of this. People be chasing mantles. There's some crazy stuff being taught. All mantles are contained in Jesus. Whatever mantle Esther had, Miriam, Eli, I don't want none of that because Jesus is greater. Christ over Moses. Right? Paul said, only imitate me is imitate Christ. So if there is a mantle today, it's the mantle that releases the, the life in the heart and the mind of Jesus through whatever you're doing. We don't want what they had. Jesus holds our today. You got people teaching folks they can grab whatever they want. That's a lie. You can only get what is for you. Right? And our job is to find out what is for us. I'm not coveting anybody's anything. I only want what is divine for Teresa. Y'all need to, to listen. People, I, God keeps telling me with this group. I'm talking to conservators right now. Stop listening to this people stuff. Let your mantle be the cornerstone. We look to people only as people look to Jesus. I had a friend who lost their mother and they were like, I got my mother's mantle. No, you have your own mantle. But there's a grace from her life that you do carry because of impartation. But don't forsake your own destiny because you have a Moses mindset. You're supposed to be doing greater than Moses. God, to God didn't give Joshua Moses' mantle. He told Moses to go, he told Joshua 
to go dig his own But what about Jesus today? Is there a mantle, whatever mantle you take, make sure it's falling off that government called Jesus? God bless you. Father, I thank you for the message today. I thank you for the patience with the technology issues. I thank you that we were able to move through this anyway. Father, I pray that um, every person is able to digest from where they are. I pray that they're able to um, listen to the previous teachings for context, that they don't just take one thing they heard and now think that they can go out and teach it. This was layered. Not saying, Father, I'm all that deep, but I am saying that there is such understanding that you want us to grasp from this, that we can navigate our lives, Father, from a clean and a pure place where we're not seeing your spirit as, as a Harry Potter type thing that we can deal with, God, and just do whatever we want. I've seen people ball up stuff and throw it out and claim that was the Lord. I've seen people blow and everybody fall over and they think that's Jesus. I've seen people do all kinds of things. And Lord, you could have been in some of that. I don't know. I just know that it didn't look like anything I read in the scriptures and anything I have come to know by trying to study from a pure place. I want us to be safe and not lured away by every wind of doctrine tossed here, tossed there. Father, we want to break the back of narcissism in the name of Jesus. We want to break the back of idolatry in the name of Jesus. We want to cause people to know, Lord, that the same God that's on the person they lifted up on that pedestal isn't, well, maybe not that God, but we want them to know that you, God, are on the inside of everybody. If we trust who you say we are, if we believe who you've called us to be. Father, you never caused us to be subservient to one another, but to walk as brothers in the name of Jesus. We honor authority. We honor leadership, but we do not denounce our own leading ability, God. We do not subject ourselves to being lesser than. That's not your design. That's not your design for this day that we are in. We honor leadership. We understand what respect is. We value order. But Father, I thank you that we're all valuable. First Corinthians 12 is true. There are many different ministries, God, ministrations of the gift, but there is only one spirit and you are moving in them all. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stop the recording. <laughs>